Hail you spooky spirits out there. Another episode of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics here. And in this one, my buddy Chris Bailey and I are going to be covering the first two appearances of Dead Man. All the way back in Strange Adventures, late 1960s there. We're going to be covering those two today and probably quite a few more going forward. He and I both enjoyed this quite a bit. So stick around and see what we have to say about it. You never told me Gentleman Ghost was involved. You know him? The guy's bad news, Mac. And I don't need someone like him making my miserable existence even more miserable. Maybe if you weren't so busy feeling sorry for yourself, you'd see there's a reason you're here. A reason you have your powers. I'm sorry, Mac. I know I can be a bit of a downer. It's just I haven't had anything go my way in a while. So why haven't you crossed over? Because I ain't been invited. I used to be an acrobat. A trapeze artist in the circus. Until one night during the show. I don't know who did it. Or why. But he had a hook for a hand. Didn't even make the papers. You're Boston Brand. You performed under the name Dead Man at Haley Circus. You... You remember? I've been working your case, and I will find your killer. You need to make a choice. Drown in self-pity, or help me find Gentleman Ghost. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. And this episode is going to be awesome because I'm starting a new series on a new character. And joining me on this one is my partner in crime, Mr. Charlton Hero himself, Chris Bailey. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. And listen, I don't think we have to even get in anyone else's body to enjoy this book, because I think we actually have one that we both agree is pretty darn good. And I can't wait for people to check out Dead Man's first appearance. And you know what's special about this particular episode, Billy? Mm -hmm. It's a super blog team up jam. How about that? No, it's not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other one. Forget it. <laughs> yeah i yeah i gotta be honest with you i this was uh the first time i had ever read uh the origin here of dead man i i kind of knew a little bit about it but this yep. when i got this omnibus edition last year this was the first time i'd ever read it oh my goodness so i'm familiar with the well i first discovered funny enough um dead man with with a one of those dc blue ribbon comics you remember the digest blue ribbon digest oh, Every, yeah. everybody loves blue ribbon digest if you're if you're someone on twitter i guarantee you you know there's multiple accounts talking about you know the the, the whole blue ribbon digest thing where dc took a whole bunch of reprints and they put them in little digest format and it used to sell like crazy it's a format that's pretty well dead but this particular one had uh, Brave and the Bold number 86, and it was Batman and Dead Man. It was called You Can't Hide from a Dead Man. And it just basically reprinted an episode where Batman finds himself, he gets attacked by Robin and then Commissioner Gordon and like a ton of other people on the street. And finally, he actually realizes that this is Dead Man possessing their bodies. And, it, and it's pretty cool the way it shakes down because he helps, uh, he helps Dead Man, you know, uh, beat up some villains from the League of Assassins, which is pretty darn cool. So that was my first exposure. But my real exposure to Dead Man was actually the four-issue limited series by Heffler and Jose <laughs> Luis Garcia Lopez. And uh, that was back in 1986, I want to say. 
and uh, that one sort of turned the the dead man lore on its head. But uh, that was a that was an awesome introduction. And I have to say, I've only read this material, these two issues, once in my entire life. Forgotten most of it, but it kind of holds up for me. So I'm really, really super excited to uh, to talk about Dead Man today. Yeah, really awesome character. I like him quite a bit. You know, my first introduction to him was probably through the animated television show, the, the Justice yes. League, because I don't know that I had read any comics with him in before that. I, I really don't remember that I did, so I don't think I did. But that was a really cool, uh, you know, episode of the show that introed him, and that's kind of where I got to know about him a little bit. But yeah, I'm really glad I got this Omnibus edition because I mean, it's got everything from the you know late Silver and Bronze Age. And the 80s, and it even has that four-issue series you were just talking about with Garcia Lopez artwork and also. Oh yeah, my it's great. goodness, it has that in it? Yes, it does. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh mon frere. I mm -hmm. love. Yeah, I mean, wow. I've, I haven't read that stuff yet, just kind of thumbed through it, but it's just gorgeous to look at. Okay, so so what we have here today from, uh, from Strange Adventures gets mm -hmm. completely thrown out the door in that four-issue uh, Dead Man series. It's literally, you know, DC in the middle. I mean, 1986 and 1987 was a period of reboot. I mean, Crisis yeah. had finished up. Everything was being relaunched with Legends, Justice League, Superman, Wonder Woman. Everything was being turned on its head and rebranded. And Dead Man was, was no different. But they literally took every single existing origin piece and literally turned it on its head. So not only was it a complete reboot, it was almost like a complete flush of the toilet. And we're going to start from scratch because it, uh, you know, it kills off main characters. It re and you know what? Maybe we'll get into it one day. So I won't, mm -hmm. so I won't spoil everything here. But man, does that thing change the game for Dead Man? But we're not here to talk about that right now. We're here to talk about his first appearance in over in two issues of Strange Adventures. Yeah, Strange Adventures 205 and 206 is what we're going to cover here today. But the, the, the game plan is, you know, as of this moment to, you know, uh, uh, run through the Strange Adventures uh, run there and then uh, bop around a little bit after that, you know, from some of the other appearances. And then, uh, hey, yeah, maybe we'll hit up that uh, four issue limited series down the road. That would be fantastic. Yes, sir. So, yeah, we're going to cover those two issues today. But, uh, you know, I'd sent you uh, some. Uh, Really, really cool intros here. So this Omnibus Edition, it's got two really great intros. Uh, the first, which is uh, one you're going to uh, read from uh, Arnold Drake here, uh, is called How Dead Man Came to Life. And there's another one that I'll uh, ta uh, tackle there right after you're done uh, with uh, Carmine Infantino's take on this as well, because uh, those are the two people that, uh, you know, I mean, it's pretty much Drake wholesale as far as the idea and what he was going to look like and all that stuff. And then uh, Carmine Infantino kind of drew it with uh uh, George Russo's inks, but uh, yeah, Arnold Drake was the brains behind this, you know, and he's uh, basically the creator of the X-Men. Oh, <clears throat> sorry. No, I mean, uh, not, not the X-Men. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. No, uh, slip there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's uh, he was, you know, golden Silver Age guy. He, he did a lot of great stuff. He was he even did stuff into the Bronze Age, I think, too, before he uh, called it quits. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. pretty cool. I gotta say, these these intros are really, really something. It gives us like a everything we need to know about his origin, about the creation of the character, and boy, mm -hmm. some of the backstory is is actually quite interesting, and it's pretty cool. Did you want to begin with your piece, or should I start with Mister Drake? Yeah, if you want to fire away with the uh, Drake piece, because that really, I feel like he was really the driving force behind this, so he had the most to say about it, and and was the most uh, poignant. Yeah, this this piece is all about how Dead Man came to life, and it's actually penned by Arnold Drake himself. And it begins, it says, fittingly, it began with the with a death in 1963. DC Comics 
Uh, editor Larry Ned- Nedley. Is that how we're going to say it? Na- maybe Nadal. Nadal had a fatal heart attack. His replacement was freelancer Jack Miller, a warm man who loved good books, fine cologne, and classy, if unconservative, clothing. One title Jack inherited was Strange Adventures, an anthology book. Any book with a running character was an anthology book. Without a running character was an anthology book. Uh, at that time, all anthologies were in trouble. Jack asked me to create a new character that might actually save the book. I said, I liked challenges. The challenge wasn't new to me. In 1963, Murray, and excuse me if I, uh, if I mess this up, Boltonov was <laughs> trying to save my greatest adventure and asked me for a new series with an assist from a good friend and fine comics writer, Bob Haney. Hey, we know Woo-hoo. that guy. Woo-hoo. I created the Doom Patrol, writing 42 original DP stories was an absolute unalloyed joy. Murray gave me the infinite freedom. He also gave me superb Italian artist Bruno Premiani. Mm-hmm. Without the freedom of Bruno's magnificent pen, the Doom Patrol would not have become a cult classic. Jack asked how I intended to find a new series. I said I had no roadmap, but I knew whatever I invented would be pretty radical for DC. And boy, he's not kidding. Mm-hmm. In the mid-60s, most of DC's books still reflected the 1940s and 50s. And I, I said I'd start by listening to the answer that was blowing in the wind. Jack's very pink cheeks became even pinker. He was excited at any breaking any new ground, but worried about the conservative views of DC management and the Comics Code Authority. Yeah, boy, that was a thing back in the day. <laughs> and we're talking, we're talking about uh, people being worried about conservative views. Wow. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Eh? Anyway, he said, yeah. he moves on, he says, I felt that the more we shook them up, the more we know we're on the right track. And boy, they were right. One wind blowing in the, in the 60s was from the East. A search for enlightenment via the Eastern mysticism. And that's, that's, a, that's a thing that's going to be in the book a whole lot here. Mm-hmm. So I wanted a supernatural theme, a hero that was a dead man. Okay, but he must look like death. And who'd look like that in any life? Someone counting death for a living. With clothes to match, a circus serialist, aerialist, a, um, in a skull and bones costume, billed as dead man. Some eastern deity powers his spirit to search the earth for his murderer. With that discovery, everything fell into line. Carmen Infantino, who shared Jack's office, was at his easel when I began my pitch. I took out a rough sketch of the character and opened the cover, the cover blurb, and the blurb said, the man who's just been murdered is our hero. His story begins one minute later. Jack was visibly shaken. Carmine whispered, wow. The rest was easy until I said, we'll call him dead man. Jack said, not a chance. I was in in transient. I don't know what that means. Mm Mm-hmm. So was he, (laughs) whatever that means. Then I must seem to have been weakened because behind Jack's back, Carmine raised his fist in the air. The fist said, don't let him blow your title. So I fought for it until Miller became determined to do the same. At a career point where he could name his own assignments, Carmine's decision to draw dead man's first appearance was crucial. He humanized the death's head character, the death or the death's head I'd created added a dramatic cowl, and designed the D logo on his chest. Dead Man was near perfect. But out of costume, Boston Brand was too handsome. I said, Carmine, this guy's been on his own since he was 12. By 14, 
He'd done every nasty, dangerous job in the circus. He even managed, he was even a semi-pro boxer. You gotta bust his nose. Carmine smiled with his eraser. And with his pencil, he broke Boston's nose. Now, he was truly perfect. After that, Dead Man's life was extraordinarily, particularly the spectacular exploits of Neil Adams. But for me, the essence was in the first meeting when I pitched the wind from the east and Carmine raised his fist and Miller got the courage, fight for the idea. Long live Dead Man. So there you mm. go. Literally, he had to fight from underneath to get this character, you know, off the ground, you know, fighting conservative views, fighting the Comics Code Authority. You know, this one almost never happened just due to the controversial nature. But guess what? When you got Carmine Infantino at bat for you and he's one of the pre people that DC will not say no to. That kind of pushed this one through. So thank you, Carmine, right there. That was awesome. What do you yeah. got? Yeah, yeah, that's great, man. And like you said, that's it, this is only just a few years after the whole, you know, uh, uh, stuff in Washington about comics and the code and all that came to be. So to have a character just even named Dead Man, and it's, yes. it's like, and it's a dead guy. That was that was pretty ballsy, and I'm actually a little surprised they got away with it. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, if you were, you know, if you especially when we're talking about horror comics and boy, are we on the right podcast for that? I mm -hmm. mean, you know, EC caused a lot of problems for comic books back in the day. Let's face it. I mean, they had all kinds of demons, murder, torture, monsters, all everything you can name and caused, fire, you know, caused all kinds of fires for parents and churches and all that type of stuff to the point mm -hmm. Where, you know, this went before the, uh, you know, went before the courts and comic books were being burned in Times Square. And, you know, my God, you know, everybody was against the horrors and demons of comics. So, you know, getting de getting Dead Man passed was an absolute miracle. But anyway, it did. And thankfully, we're here to talk about it. Yeah. And uh, one of the other ones, like I said, is a, a foreword a bit here by uh, Carmine Infantino. And he said uh, it was during the heyday of the Batman TV show and DC Comics wanted me available for all their licensing artwork. It was arranged for me to share an office with DC's editor, Jack Miller. One early afternoon, I was privy to Arnold Drake's pitch for a most unusual character he'd created. I was pleasantly surprised and pleased that he requested my artwork for the project. Soon after, I completed my first and only issue. I assumed editorship of DC Comics. Arnold Drake had moved on to more lucrative assignments, and Jack Miller had resigned as editor due to poor health. Since my new workload prevented me from doing any more artwork, I assigned the drawing of Dead Man to Neil Adams. I not only laid out all the covers at DC, I also began plotting Dead Man, Wonder Woman, and my favorite, Batlash. I also convinced Jack Miller to dialogue all these books for me. After completing five issues of Dead Man and Wonder Woman, I received word that Jack Miller had passed on. Neil requested the job of writing Dead Man, which he kept through the demise of the title. I relinquished Wonder Woman after four more issues. So now we come full circle with the combined efforts of Arnold, Neil, Jack, and myself, and the history of this most unusual character, Dead Man, who now lives again. Yeah, great stuff, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, this this one really, really kicks into full gear right away. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, should we just start with, with the cover, the cover yeah. itself? Yeah, why don't I mean, we start wow. with that? Yeah, yeah. So, October, so this is October 1967 uh, cover date, and then, uh, like we said, it's a— uh, uh, Arnold Drake actually it says you know in the Grand Comic Book Database did the layout here and then Carmine Infantino pencils and George Rousseau's uh, inks. So yeah, what do you think of this cover? Was it me or was the was the artistic credits hidden in this book? I tried to find them, you know, kicking around and all that type of stuff. They seem missing on my uh, you know the version that I was reading. 
Yeah, no, uh-uh. Yeah, I didn't think maybe till a few issues in, maybe there might be a Neil Adams signature here or there, but not in these first couple. Mm, really strange. Yeah, so if you're looking at this cover, it's, you know, it's bursting with energy. So, you know, you're talking about the big top. Uh, you know, a circus is happening. You got the clown on the ground. The crowd is looking, uh, you know, looking up in, in awe as this dead man literally plunges from the trapeze to his death. And the blurb is, the man who was just murdered is our hero. His story begins one minute later. And boy, what intrigue. Cause he, you know, he's, he's literally plummeting to his death. And there's a gunshot firing off there right there. So you know something is going down. Now, interestingly enough, Dead man looks a little bit different than we know him here in this particular, you know, facially, he's a little bit more obscure. I would say, you know, he doesn't have the defined good looks that Neil Adam gives him right out of the gate. His costume, especially in the upper torso portion and the arms, is a little bit looser. So, you know, it's not the slender, tight fit, almost, you know, uh, unitard type of thing that we that we know with Dead Man. But his overall look... I would say is very, very close to what it ends up being. So, you know, I, w- I was super pleased with that. What do you think of the cover? It's really, really good. And, you know, there's there's a little clue here that's going to be a running subplot uh, with, you know, who actually does shoot him here on the cover. And you don't really notice it because you're looking at Dead Man and the logo and the gun shooting at him. Like I said, there's the clown and then there's a, uh, some little honey there with a <laughs> tutu on dancing <laughs> right underneath the uh, little blurb on the cover. But uh, there's a, an actual uh, hook of some kind uh, holding up the rifle that shoots him. Ah, a, a a hook that, yeah, well, yeah, that's pretty interesting. That's a plot point right out of the gate. So mm-hmm. interesting. I did not notice that was on the cover. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he really does look like a zombie here. He doesn't look a guy like a guy with a mask on. He, he looks like an actual zombie here, which is really cool. And, you know, gives it like a real horror vibe to it. And, you know, Strange Adventures, the logo, the word strange is all like, ooh. <laughs> like it does. Stuff. It looks really good. It looks actually really, really, really solid cover out of the gate. I definitely would have purchased this off the rack. What do you think? Mm, yeah. Oh, I'd have been all over this. Yeah. yeah I mean, no question. It, honestly, some of the uh, this is a book that I would have liked anyway, even though I know they said it was in trouble sales wise. I do like uh, Strange Adventures, the ones that I've read, because uh, they're just like these off-the-wall weirdo sci-fi stories. So I've read a bunch by like Gardner Fox and people like that, Otto Binder, and they're great because they're crazy. They're just really bizarre. So I would have been buying this title probably anyway, but man, yeah, this character would have been like, wow, I would have been over the moon about it. The thing with with anthology titles back then is that they they literally took a lot of risks because they didn't put your premier superstars in there. You know, you didn't have your Superman or your Batman in at the time. Now, as time went on, we certainly got to see Superman bundled into every single comic you could possibly imagine. You got to see more Batman and the Batman family, you know, tied to these anthology titles. So, you know, titles like World's Finest and different things like that, you know. Mm. Or DC Comics Presents, for example, would always have Superman as, as you know, the backup guy. But they'd always have, like, a list of other, you know, uh, heroes inside it. You know what I mean? So it was like a rotating cast, almost like Marvel 2-in-1 type of thing, where you get different stories. You know what I mean? Even even a couple. But, you know, typically it didn't feature the big stars. Marvel Comics had it figured out. I mean, think about when they did Marvel Comics Presents, when they would have four particular stories. The lead mm. feature always had one of the big guns for the most part. It was always a Wolverine or something like that you know what i mean so when you're taking the risk of you know throwing a brand new character 
on a issue on an issue of an anthology series that's already failing, do you think that they just gave it to somebody just to say, "Hey, here's a book for you. You know, here's some work," not, you know, thinking that this thing was going to fail anyway? But mm-hmm. well, boy, yeah, this one this one went on for a while. <laughs> so yeah, so why don't we jump right into it here? So there's just a, a quick little one uh, sentence synopsis here uh, on uh, Grand Comics database. It says, "Shot during a performance." trapeze artist boston brand dies only to find that his spirit lives on with the ability to inhabit the bodies of others by the will of rama kushna his spirit will walk among the living until he finds his killer so yeah that's that's kind of like a little quick snapshot of things but what do you think of this first splash page here oh who, who love, has been lying love. in my grave look at that <laughs> This tells you everything you need to know. Like it loads the guns. It, it, you know, it sort of sets out who he is. You know, we got to see that he's already dead here. So we know that, you know, he's about to die. They're setting the scene exactly what's going to be inside this comic. So you think about it. You know, if you're if you're sitting at a stand and you're just going to thumb through a book, this tells you everything you need to know on page one to get you excited about, you know, reading what's in the book. And boy, is this type of thing missing in today's comic. Holy cow. Now you would get a text piece that goes on for about five pages <laughs> with very very little interesting maybe a couple symbols and a few x's not to call out a particular title but uh you know a few <laughs> x's or crazy crazy you know hieroglyphics or something that is supposed to keep your attention but i love this format dead man is there on the cover all his supporting cast is in the background mourning his death and he just tells you exactly what's lined up someone has killed me He's going to find out who that killer is. And the blurb, who has been lying in my grave? Boy, we're out of the gate right away. I love it. Yeah, I, if I only have one criticism of that uh, page, it's just the, the casket, does the perspective on it does not look great. It almost looks like a, a casket for a uh, an infant. <laughs> but, oh uh, yeah, other than that, it's fantastic. Like you said, the whole... You know, circus is uh, performers and friends of his. Well, I don't know if I'd call them friends, but <laughs> his co-workers uh, are in <laughs> yes. the background there. It looks great. I love how the clown shows up to a funeral in the clown makeup still. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And we start to start out right away. So we're behind the scenes in the circus. You know, Boston Brand is sitting there. He gets to meet his uh, his girl. Uh, you know, Lorna, Lorna and, mm-hmm. and Boston brand. He's not your typical good looking dude. You get to see that his nose is indeed a little bit messed up. He's got that fine chiseled jaw. He almost looks like Bruce Wayne with a busted up nose. Looks like he's been through some rough times. Right now yeah. we get to see an interesting thing. Like, like every single circus of the day, the circus is in money trouble. So, you know, of course now brand himself, he he's the main star. Like he's the guy who plays, you know, the, one of the central characters, the big trapeze artist himself, he's trying to keep this thing afloat. And he buys Lorna some time, so he gets an extension for about another 60 days. You know, because the big competition, Ringling, uh, Ringling Brothers, and, I'm, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked that they actually, you know, name put that out there. Yeah, they name drop yeah. somebody, but it's putting them out of business. So putting in, you know, the local brand out of business. Now, Brand is sort of calling the shots because he's a little bit of a uh, an asshat. Nobody mm-hmm. likes him in this backstage area. He <laughs> he thinks that they're all children, and he he compares the circus to running a kindergarten, but a kindergarten where every every kid has a machine gun under their desk. So you know, <laughs> he's not exactly trying to uh, you know trying to ingrain himself into this team. But he's always you know he's always making demands of these people. You know, making sure that they're on time, making sure that they're you know they're on the up and up. So we get to see that, you know, first he runs into a cop and this cop is trying to shut the show down because of one of the fortune tellers. Now, Brand gets on the cop's case. 
And, you know, he sort of sends him packing and almost humiliating the cop. But the cop, you know, he says, you know, I'm going to be watching you for the rest of the night in case you slip up. Mm-hmm. Boy, <laughs> does he ever slip up. Now he gets mm. to meet our, our, our fortune teller guy. What's his name? Uh, that is uh, Vashnu, I believe. Yes, yes. So he tells him of uh, Ramakushna, uh, who's literally, what's his name? Yeah, Ramakushna, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he calls him the face of the world, almost like an all-powerful being, and he tells him that he has a very special gift for brand. For brand. Now, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of these things where, you know, he doesn't believe it. You know, he, he just wants this show to get on the go. He's not interested in no jibba-jabba. He don't care about no Ramakushna, and he don't care about anything. He just says, you know, save that jazz for the Johns of the community. So even he's, you know, he's not even concerned about the paying customers. He 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 likens them to a John, someone who would, you know, give money to a prostitute. So, you know, he's got a real, real downtrodden view of this whole circus thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a shame because, you know, when 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 Vasnu talks to Lorna after he says, you know, brand is no gods, no faith and no shelter. But, you know, and it makes him the loneliest man in the world. And I think that's exactly, you know, the impression that I get of this guy. He's a loner, but, you know, mm-hmm. he, he he wants to he wants this thing to be a success, but on his terms. So, you know, he re, he's a really a guy with with no friends. He wants to be in control and uh, basically a extremely unlikable guy. What's your thoughts? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, like you said before, like when he was in there with Lorna and they were talking about, you know, the circus and this and that. The strong man started like knocking on the door, you know, to like let him know it's time or a uh, ten minutes, and he tells, "Shut up, tiny." And he's I just, know, yeah, and he just keeps like like making fun of this guy, and the guy's huge and smashes right through the door, and he's like, "You you turn this door into toothpicks, you moron!" And he says, "What's <laughs> what's the use of talking to you? It's like trying to play chess with a chimpanzee." <laughs> like, wow, dude. Yeah, and what, like what? you said, he browbeats yeah. the cop, and then makes basically makes fun of Vashnu here too. And then what about him clobbering this guy, the, 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 the cat, the, you know, the big cat tamer guy, oh my like God, the, lion the lion tamer keeper. guy. Yeah. Yeah he, he's like, he's, yeah. he's drinking on the job. So, you know, he it's attacks him with, come on, man. Yes, I know. <laughs> but, but he's in charge of the line. So he saw him drinking before bringing out the cats and called him irresponsible and said he would knock him down. You know, that sounds reasonable, <laughs> but then he fires him. He tells him that this is going to be his last paycheck and it's going to be waiting after the show. So, you know, holy cow. My goodness. Or is, yeah, or is this the ticket taper guy? Ticket taper. Well, yes, yeah, the ticket he, taker that he fires. That's right. Well, he fires both of them. He fires the lion tamer guy and tells him, <laughs> I don't want to ever see you around here again. And I'm thinking, that's dude, right. If, if your circus is like on the edge of going out of business, I don't know if firing two people right <laughs> off the bat is like really a great idea. But yeah, he clobbers him, the, the lion tamer, says him, your last paycheck. And I don't want to see you around here again. And he goes right. to the, the yeah he goes to the ticket guy and reaches into his <laughs> pocket and sees the guy's like skimming off the you know the the house take. But not only that, he's taking a grand like large percentage, almost all the money. So you wonder why this thing is financially you know in ruin because you know you got people who are on the take, you got people who don't care about their job. You know what I mean? You got you yeah. you basically got a series of employees that really don't care if they show up to work and they're just taking full advantage of you know all the money and finances of this circus that is that is really starting to struggle in the face of Ringling Brothers. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Brand is pissed at this team and he's not taking any. any any crap from anybody. And what's funny about this, when he talks to the ticket, the ticket taker, 
he doesn't fire him. He just says, you know, you should be taking a little bit less. So, you know, yeah. don't steal at all. Just don't be greedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, what? Yeah, you can skim a little bit, but don't get silly here. And I'm thinking, what? Dude, you again, if they're on the brink of going out of business, there can't be any skimming. I'm like, what is he talking about? But oh, and you mentioned Ringling Brothers. Uh, yeah. His reason for not going to work for them, even though they offered him five times the amount of money, is because, <clears throat> and I quote, I don't like their fat man. He's got disgusting eating habits. <laughs> what? So, My I mean, God. listen, listen, he, he, he is morally ambiguous. So, you know, he, he, <laughs> he allows theft to happen. You know, he's in charge. He's bossing everybody around, completely unlikable. He doesn't believe in anything, you know, no religion, no higher power. He's just on his own. And But he realizes, he knows that not only would the crowd like to see him die, because, you know, with his whole trapeze act, but he knows that every single person in that backstage area would like nothing more than to see him fall on his face as well. So there you go. Boy, yeah, hostile like, crowd here. Yeah, we've seen Tiny kind of say that he wants to, like, kill him. And then now the guy that he punched out, I'll get you for this. And the ticket guy, what does he say to him? You got a big mouth. You know that. And someday somebody's going to close it for you forever. So there's three so, people already that are like red herrings here. <laughs> it's true. He's like lining up a, like a, a whole cast of people who wants to kill him. Like it's just one after the other after the other. He's got zero bedside manner when it comes to dealing with people. This guy's like horror boss from like the early 80s or something. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, and then he climbs up to the top of the, uh, the the big top here to do his crazy act. And I love that on uh, story page nine there where he grabs the bar and he goes to swing, you know, across the trapeze. And you don't see anything. You just there's a, just a sound effect there. Crack. And then it's somebody. Weird. The, yeah. Somebody says, was that a shot? And I thought to myself, yeah, I mean, I don't think they were actually allowed to be showing people getting shot. But then you had the cover that showed him getting shot. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> like think about this. If if you're doing that type of shot today, this is this is a full splash page of him getting shot. You know what I mean? Full on. It would leave nothing to the imagination. It would show, you know, the impact, the whole nine yards. But this literally shows nothing. You have a four panel oh. grid, and he's swinging, and it's like from back on. It's like a weird angle. You get the. You really have to interpret what's going on here. I just found it really, really strange. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just recreate the cover right back in here in this, uh, you know, put that in here. I don't know that this was kind of weird, but yeah, <laughs> the clown, of course, uh, finds him or rushes to him first and says, somebody get a cop. And all of a sudden there's that sleazy cop that was like creeping around earlier. And he says, I'm he's he's <laughs> he's I'm he, the law. Yeah, He's pulling his judge dread here. I'm the law. Get a get doctor <laughs> and the clown. Forget the doctor, Mr. Law. He's had it. And of course, Lorna starts crying and she's, you know, that tiny's there holding on to her. And he's like, I, I, I don't know. Nobody knows uh, Miss Lorna, you know, because he's got like got a pea brain. And uh, yeah, he's, he's got he's got a voice that would say, oh, easy, Miss Lorna. You know, I don't <laughs> know, Miss. I guess nobody knows, I guess. You know, he's got a real like just passing by Bugs Bunny type of guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then we we see the tears of a clown there uh, <laughs> to quote a song. And Rama, it's a, a Vashnu says. Ramakrishna knows, and perhaps this is the beginning of that special fate which has long awaited Boston Brand. And then we get to the funeral, you know, that we saw a page of already. And you know that the, that page is nice too. I like it too. It's got you know four oh, yeah. panels, you know, two horizontals and then two verticals at the bottom. And you know everybody's kind of crying, but you know we see a guy in the background that says, uh, "Oh, uh, Lorna says I'll never forget you, Boston honey." 
sob. And then some guy, a sleazy looking guy in the background. Oh, if it's the ticket guy or what? And he says, neither will I, you think. Good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> and then another guy on the other side, I guess this is the ticket taker guy on the other side. I think he said, you were kicking me out, eh, Brand? Well, you're gone and I'm still with the show. <laughs> <laughs> and then some other weird looking dude that we never saw yet. He's there. And then uh, I feel like that little guy up front between Tiny and the big lady looks like uh, somebody from like television or movies. But I can't pick out who it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, de- there's definitely some uh, so, some inspiration here. And poor old Tiny mm-hmm. then. Oh, poor Tiny. Tiny. He gets yeah. there and he has his lament. If it wasn't for no rat, you would have never left her like this. What's she gonna do now? Who's she gonna turn to? And 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 that goes for me too. So so long, rat. <laughs> so long, rat. <laughs> oh God, nobody yeah. likes poor Boston Brand. I would hope that at our <clears throat> funeral, Billy, that there there be a little bit more empathy for myself. <laughs> I would like uh, to think that. I don't know. Uh, Who fingers, knows? Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then the next page flashes back to you know when he got shot. And we see him falling down, and then all of a sudden there's like a light on him, and he says, holy cow, I'm not dead. I don't even hurt. It can't be. A guy can't fall that far without a scratch. And then, you know, we see the, the clown above him like we did previously. Yeah, you get forget to see the like point, point of view yeah. shots. So you get to see him from his eyes, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so he, he gets to re-envision his entire death from his own perspective, from the outside looking in, basically. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and then everybody starts crying, and he's like, hey, Laura, cut it out. I'm okay. I tell you, I'm alive. And all of a sudden, a voice says, no, you're not, my son. You died three minutes ago. And we see uh, there's an elephant talking to him. (laughs) (laughs) Dora, the baby elephant. Uh, (laughs) That's great. They should have named it after uh, Dumbo or something. Dora, this is a Dumbo. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, and he begins losing his mind. So he he can't believe what's happening. So, you know, he's Mm -hmm. walking around. He's trying to figure out how in the hell... Is he still walking around in his mind? He's still alive, but how mm-hmm. nobody can see him. He just he just can't figure it out. Why is an elephant talking to me? Then he begins talking to a mouse or a rat, and the <laughs> rat starts telling him all about it. This can't mm-hmm. be good. When, yeah, when tries... rats and elephants start talking to you, it's bad news, Billy. That's what I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, he tries to grab the rat, and his arm goes right through it. And then all of a sudden, the rat says, I told you, my son, you're not alive. There is no more substance to your body than there is to the west wind. Or the April mist. And he's like, what is it? What's happening to me? And now a tree says to him, listen, <laughs> listen well, for I, Ramakrishna, speak but once. Boston Brand, you shall have the power to walk among men until you have found the one who killed you. And he's like, are you crazy? <laughs> I can't even hold a mouse. How can I grab a killer? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he the sees boy- Tiny. <laughs> Yep, and here's where his powers come in. So if you're not familiar with Dead Man as a character, his whole power set is pretty interesting. And this is where I think it can make a super, super interesting like live-action adaptation. If there's one character built for it, it's this. Picture like a weekly series where he transfers his body solving mysteries into somebody else. So, you know, we, we've seen like shows like Quantum Leap where they're shipped back in time mm-hmm. and, you know, take over another person and all that type of stuff. I think Dead Man is like perfect for like a, you know, one of those eight episode Netflix type of jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he transfers himself inside a tiny. So now he's inside the big dumb man and probably a little bit more intelligence than he started out. And he figures out that, wait a second. He says, yo, I'm tiny. He's alive, but he's not conscious. So I've become his eyes, his ears, his mind. This is the gift of Ramakrishna to live again. 
in Tiny's body. So he's <laughs> he's just getting this thing figured out. Wait a second. I live on, but not in my own body. I just got to steal somebody else's. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I like how he goes walking out of the cemetery, and he can kind of see himself as he's got this, like, green glow about him. Yes. But And, but, and he's worried other people are going to see it, too, because all of a sudden you see this, excuse me, buddy. <laughs> and and <laughs> Tiny goes, well, Boston says, huh? What do you, oh, uh, no, I don't smoke. And he goes, okay, relax, Sam. You act like you just saw a ghost. And he starts laughing. And he's, the guy goes, listen to this kook laughing to himself. Yes. <laughs> yep, 100% well, 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 I'm normal. <laughs> well, it, well, the curious thing about the character is when he switches bodies, he has to act exactly like the person that he's that he's imitating. And this comes into play a little bit later, especially in the second issue that we're going to talk about. Sometimes he doesn't know these people. He doesn't know who they, you know, how they act, how they speak, you know, how they, uh, you know, where they live, what they do. They got no idea. So sometimes he's got to make this stuff up on the fly. So he's mm. pretty lucky that he's got tiny because he's actually worked with them. So he can sort of keep up the act in the facade a little bit and make it seem like he's actually tiny, which is which is to his benefit in his first transformation. Yeah, and he can also kick the crap out of some people because Tiny's yes. like gi gigantic. So right away he's like, uh, I'm going to put this to good use. And he says, Heldrick, he's a likely candidate for the job. I fired him an hour before I was shot. And that was the dude that was boozing on the job. Yes. But he does say, and this is interesting, he goes, but what about the steel hook? They all said the rifleman had a steel... And I'm thinking... Who so somebody saw this rifleman, but all they saw was the rifle and the hook. That's that's kind of weird. I, I, I didn't really get that part. I'm thinking, oh, but nobody saw his face or what he was wearing or anything like that. But so that you know, from that uh, you know, even from the cover there, we see you know they're 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 still throwing that out there that all they know about him is it's a guy with a hook, right? And you know he does hear something here, and he looks uh, through this little window here inside, like maybe a trailer or something like that, and it's that dirty cop. And this is something that really blew my mind, because when they had those hearings and put the comics code in place, one of the things you weren't supposedly able to show was, you know, people being shot and this whole dead man like zombie type thing is already pushing the envelope. And now they're showing a dirty cop. Not only a dirty cop, but they're talking about drugs. Yeah. So these guys are in the middle of a drug deal. So, you know, you get the guy who one of the guys that got fired and the cop, they're literally in the making of a of a giant drug deal here. And they throw around the terms like pound of snow, dream <laughs> dust, uh, you know, opium. snow, poppy juice and opium, baby. So, you know, they, they're really going hard. And like you said, this is extremely controversial. So, you know, they are pushing the boundaries. We've seen somebody get shot. We've some seen somebody die. We've seen someone spiritually taken over someone else's body. And now yeah. we get to see a dope deal gone awry. And Brand as Tiny ain't going to have that on his time. And he gets into a major dust up with these two men. And quickly, doesn't he get shot right away as Tiny? Yeah, he uh, he gets shot. And from the perspective, it doesn't look like it hits him or like it barely hits him. And he does mention, yes. before, oh, it just grazed me enough to knock me out. But then he wakes up because the two of them are going to just, you know, go put a couple more bullets in him and throw him in the river or something like that. But he, <laughs> Boston's smart enough to uh, hop out of Tiny's body and into the dirty cop. <laughs> uh, he says, it's working. I'm merging into the cop's body. I I can do it with anybody's body. <laughs> so he's all of a sudden having some fun here. He's like, oh, crap, I just got tiny shot. They're about to kill me. But wait a second. I can jump into this bozo's body and take him out. And now 
brand as the cop, bam, he gives this other guy, this other guy who's on the take trying to, you know, get some of that snow powder in him. <laughs> and he just knocks him out with a solid right hook there. Oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I guess, you know, the, the ruckus made all the other people aware, you know, the circus and what's going on. And Lorna, the, the clown, I can't remember what his name is. I want to say it's Toby, maybe. And then uh, Vashnu come running and uh, there's just Tiny there. And he's like, <laughs> what does he say? All of a sudden, he goes, the cop is in, uh, I shouldn't say that. What did they call him? Not the cop. They call him the constable is in yes. handcuffs. And he's saying to uh, Tiny, I tell you, you're crazy. I didn't sock you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, there, and there's a cop there with a gun on him. And I do see now that I'm looking at it uh, earlier when Tiny, oh, well, really Boston here, is uh, watching that drug deal go down. He does say, I bet he's a phony cop. So they don't ever say whether he is yeah. or he isn't, but maybe that's their loophole for not showing a cop being, you know, in a bad light. Bingo. Just using some verbiage on the side there to clean stuff up. That's, that's really, really good. But anyway, every, you know, uh, Boston saved the day as tiny and as the lawman and, you know, everything goes back to normal. However, the dead man is left to ponder, you know, who killed him. And it says right at the very end. And I love this little tiny end panel. Mm. And it's got like a side view of his face. And it says, this is dead man, the spirit of one man in the body of others, moving from life to life to find the man who brought him death. Follow him in the strangest adventure series of them all. That mm -hmm. is the ending right there. So, wow. You know what? What do you think of his, his intro? We got to see a death. We got to see him shift bodies twice, solve a mystery. I mean, all the elements are, in my opinion, are there for a successful series. You know what I mean? If this was, um, you know, a, a high profile book back in the day, I think this would have had a lot more traction, but do you think that, you know, just going by the name of strange adventures hurt this thing? Or do you think they should have just opened this thing up with dead man and introduced him as a brand new character? What do you think? Yeah. I feel like if you would have just came out with dead man, number one, it probably yep. would have done better. Absolutely. Just, you know what I mean? It's just, it, like you said, it, you know, it was in a, a failing title. You know, yes. that was just kooky sci-fi stories for, you know, 200 issues. Um, right. And, and I actually have a couple of them that were like right before this, like the late 190s and early 200s here before this started. And they were, you know, absolutely gonzo, these crazy sci-fi stories. And some of it was even reprints from, you know, 10 years previous. So I'm sure that didn't help. No, exa oh, no, exactly right. Um, I mean, it's just one of those things. You, you think about comics today. What is the smartest strategy? And, you know, a lot of these companies have figured it out. So instead of, you know, series is going, you know, 200 issues, 500 issues, 700 issues. Now they capped them. You're, you're lucky to get a, you know, a 25 issue run these days because mm -hmm. the magic is in issue number one. The magic is reintroducing that team, starting from scratch, getting in on the ground floor of a new storyline or a new character. So, you know, here you've got a title that's dying on the vine in Strange Adventures, but instead of just, you know, giving Dead Man a chance and introducing Dead Man and Dead Man number one, they're going to try to introduce him as this, you know, brand new character inside this book. And I think that's one of the one of the downfalls and, uh, you know, uh, of an anthology title in itself. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree with you. But yeah, great opening issue, you know, story here for uh, oh, yeah. Dead Man. It's just to me, it was really cool. I enjoyed it and I thought I can't wait for the next one and uh well why don't we move on to that one so that would oh, be yeah. uh strange adventures 206 uh cover dated november 1967 and this is a uh, this covers by uh mike sikowski and george russo's so um what do you think of this one i i think this is okay. pretty good too right 
So now you're getting a more defined face. You're getting you're getting the visual of the dead man's face a little bit more like, you know, getting closer to the Neil Adams look. So you get to see a giant, uh, you know, from the from the I would say waist up of the dead man. And he's mm-hmm. staring into his his grave, basically. And he's got his two hands on both sides of the, you know, the the grave. And there's two men in front there and they're looking down at the grave. And, you know, they're they're talking to each other. He says, this is crazy. They sent us to kill a dead man. And another guy with one of those gangster guns, you know, he looks like someone straight out of Al Capone's gang. He says, (laughs) here's something crazier. His grave is empty. (laughs) Two mooks. (laughs) Yeah, two mooks. Exactly right. And it says, you know, the blurb on the thing, it says, he lives again, dead man. And here you get to see the dead man logo. So you get to see this mm. stylized D and dead man's face on the inside of the D, <laughs> which is which is a little curious there for like a, uh, you know, a, a cover logo. But, you know, that's one they stuck. They stick with for a little while. Mm-hmm. And of course, no issue is complete when you open up and the first page you see is one of those long narrative pages where a dead man is standing there. He stood side on in the corner of the panel. He's got his arms outstretched. He's got his head back and he's just yelling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can never rest to avenge my own murder. It's going to be an eye for an eye. So, you know, you know that, you know, he's going to seek revenge and you've got some things that are around him. You've got, you know, a bunch of owls who are talking to him and they're saying, you are dead now, Boston Brand. Your struggle for survival is ended. Peace is yours at last. So, you know, they're trying to say <laughs> that you're dead. Give it up, old man. But he's having none of it. He's going to find his killer. And this issue is, is a little bit curious. So we talked about before <laughs> that one of the one of the strengths of some books is, you know, continuity throughout and, you know, having storylines that continue in another one. So, you know, you should be able to pick up a book and not feel like you're behind, not feel like you're, you know, seven issues into a, a mini series and you don't know any of the backdrop. This one goes out of its way to tell you what happened in the, in the issue before almost ad nauseum. I mean, they go way into detail, almost reprinting the entire book in the first seven pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really do. It's just, I don't know, like you said, if it was because it was an anthology and things were a little more spotty with distribution back then, but yeah, they really, really went out of their way to tell you like almost every little detail that happened in that uh, issue 205, which it's, again, it's kind of crazy. I'm thinking it's costing you how much to do this with, you know, the paper and the printing and, paying the you know creators and stuff like that why would you want to you know recreate you know basically the whole thing like why not just do a reprint of you know the highlights in this one and then just have neil adams pick up new here i don't know no you're exactly right and and basically the story is you you as we've just heard you know boston brand he's in a circus and Speaking of that, here's here's what I'd like to start. What is the deal, man, with all these circus characters? Why was everybody so obsessed with damn trapeze stars? I mean, think about it. Robin, you know, the Flying Graysons, all trapeze stars. You have, (laughs) you know, Daredevil, a trapeze star. You know, you've got Boston Brand here, a trapeze star. Like, when you're creating a character, does your mind go to the circus, Billy? (laughs) <laughs> think about it i know this guy could be a former trapeze artist no yeah. it doesn't go there my god 
Yeah, maybe back then that's what they were into, man. Circuses must have been a lot bigger <laughs> deal then. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they they had to be because there's so much like DC spent so much time, you know, inside the the little ring doing that trapeze act. You know, everybody died on the trapeze. You know, it's one of those careers that guaranteed you a superhero job. Let's face it. <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. Anyway, this one, this one is same same scripter, Arnold Drake, and then like yep. we said, Neil Adams is the penciler, George Rousseau's inker. Which Adams will take over eventually and just do pretty much everything. Yeah. Like uh, eventually, he'll even do the the script, the pencils, and the inks. Um, and you, you uh, know, you notice the difference right away in the in the quality yep. of the of the art because I mean, you know, you get to see vehicles fully realized here. You know, backgrounds are fully featured. The faces and structure of uh, you know body types they get more dramatic poses. You know, more a more defined realistic look to the to the people who are in the book and i really really dig this issue yeah so once you jump ahead to page five that's really when the next you know storyline starts up here and it's uh uh it just as uh says here lorna's criminal brother jeff shows up at the circus eager to get his hands on the insurance <laughs> money from boston brand's death and dead man suspects him of the murder so yeah why don't we get into this so her crazy brother here lorna's brother jeff shows up and she's like Oh, Jeff, it's so good to see you. And he's like, yeah, isn't it great? Uh, now, I just uh, forgot to tell you, I slipped you some paperwork and you signed off on uh, putting, some <laughs> putting some extra insurance on Boston. And now that he's dead, uh, I'm, I'm here to collect that insurance money. And I'm thinking, dude, it's been like a day since he died. They're not going to have the insurance money, man. <laughs> just just think about this. Just think about this right away. So Jeff, Jeff is a scumbag. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. He's, yeah, he's that dirty. Re- yeah, he's a deadbeat. He knows that his sister's, you know, her circus is struggling. You know, it's one of those family businesses. But he knows that old Pops used to have some cash. So he's coming in to see if he can get a loan off his sister. Of course, she has no money. She's only got enough just to pay her bunch of, uh, you know, her circus performers and her workers. So she denies him. And he, you know, is instantly irate. And But then he fills her in on the fact that he put insurance money on the dead man, on Boston Brand. So he's kind of loving the fact that this guy's now dead because he's come to cash a check off the dead man's ass right here, and he's coming to collect right away. So, you know, this this guy is a, a, a true piece of garbage, and, and Jeff is, uh, is one of those characters that we'll get to see. He's not only up to no good, but this guy owes some cash to the wrong people, Billy. Yeah, we do see... Uh, he, him and another guy, well, actually a whole like motorcycle gang come blasting yep. on their motorcycles. And this guy named Morty, uh, you know, kind of roughs him up a little and says like, hey, you know, you uh, you better get that cash. He's basically trying to extort him because he's saying something happened uh, back in Dayton, Ohio. And he's like, otherwise the fuzz is going to find out. <laughs> you, <laughs> you give me the 10 grand. So, yeah. So that's what he said. Then he goes to his sister. Oh, hey, how's it going? And tries to get the money from her. And he's like, oh, don't worry. We're going to get this huge payout. And she's like, no, you can't touch this safe. You know, this is, you know, this money is uh, for the circus people. It's got, it's basically going to pay the bills for only a month. So, you know, you can't take this. And he kind of like, I don't know if he just grabs her and throws her to the ground or he hits does. Her, but- he 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 makes a swipe almost like the toss her out of the way, similar to um, I, I don't know how Randy Savage threw Elizabeth when they when they were in the <laughs> middle of the main event. That's what it reminds me of. And poor Lorna starts <laughs> skipping across the floor. 
Now, yeah. Dead Man is right there watching all this. He's seeing his girl, who he can't even speak to anymore. This is like early Spawn. This is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. you got a mm-hmm. dead guy who can't communicate to the love of his life, and, you know, his life is over, and he's scrambling to f- pick up the pieces. So, you know, do you think Todd McFarlane maybe took a page out of the old Dead Man here for his Spawn character? Quite possible. <laughs> yeah, Quite maybe. Possible. But yeah, What's he... funny is yeah, that Dead Man jumps into Jeff, literally. <laughs> literally jumps into Jeff. Like he looks like he is diving from the top of a large, like getting into a swimming pool. He's going to dive into this man's body. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And he right away starts going through his wallet and it says, uh, <laughs> he's thinking to himself and here I am, Jeff Carling, the Brown leather kid. Here's some Oof. info about him. Address book, motorcycle license. I'll figure it out all as I go on. And I'm like, uh, that's probably not the best plan. I'll figure it out as I go along, dude. <laughs> and he hops on his hog here and takes off. And then all of a sudden, uh, somebody pulls up next to him and says, hold it, Jeff. Did you forget about me, rich buddy? And, of course, he's thinking, uh, you, how can I forget <laughs> about you? And he says, I don't even know who you are, ugly. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, he goes. Let's have it. <laughs> yeah, let's have it. Let's have what? The loot. The bread, the cashola. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any dough. About eight bucks is all. That's when he starts trying to rough him up. Yeah, he's like, "You'll what have you, that." What do you call this? Chop liver? Oh my God, <laughs> this this is this is horrible. He says, mm. "Listen here, pretty face. Don't get me. Don't get cute with Morty, because all I got to do is whisper two syllables, and some cops are some cops here. Dayton, get it? Now, see." <laughs> Dayton. He's going to whisper because he knows something has gone down in Dayton and he's going to tell the cops all about it and ruin Jeff's life. And apparently Jeff knows everything that happened in Dayton and he don't want any part of that. So, you know, this guy's holding, he's basically blackmailing him for well, we don't know at this point, but uh, something serious happened in Dayton and he's getting framed. Yeah, and they're going to go down to Jack's shack and uh, hang out there and meet the rest of the the gang and uh, the dead man's thinking to himself, it's all happening too fast. Too many new faces coming at me in a lump. I'm bound to make one goof, and then it's curtains for me. I mean, for Lorna's brother, Jeff. And then <laughs> in the next the next <laughs> scene, they're at Jack Shack. I'm guessing it's some kind of like restaurant or something. And this woman jumps into his arms and says, Jeff, sweetie, I missed you. You were gone too long. Twelve minutes at least. I can't stand long separations. <laughs> and and all, all he can muster is, that's nice. And Morty, ha, that's nice. He says, he says, a chick like Magda, he calls nice. Jeff, you kill me, ha. And then he looks down. He's a, he's disgusted at this point. He says, well, he's thinking it to himself. He says, well, maybe that can be arranged too. So there <laughs> yeah. you go. And this girl is all into Jeff. So Jeff, she's horny, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's laying in the the smoke and old kiss there as the as the biker gang looks ominously on. You got the guy with the cigar just taking it all in over in the corner, going, "Ah, oh, yeah, Gross. I want I want some more of that." You understand? He's getting ready to get the camera rolling. <laughs> and then you get to see, and this is this is one of the strengths of like uh, of the artwork here. Biker gangs were a big deal back then, and mm-hmm. boy, do they love showing bikes in action. And this is one great like I guess splash page. Oh, yeah. Where they've got the bikes revved up, you got the guy on the front, and they're just they're just cruising. And I, I think it's a really really cool visual, man. Mm, looks great, and their gang is called the Cycle Hounds. <laughs> Ooh, boy, they put a lot of work into that one, Billy. Mm, My goodness, yeah. those Cycle Hounds. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Dead Man here getting some action with uh, his uh, 
his girlfriend here, Magda, she says, lay some lip on me, lover. Mm. She starts kissing him, and uh, Morty says, Jeff, baby, you may be the youngest member of the organization, but you sure are a seasoned hand with the chicks. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, is he not wrong, because he's outside his apartment, so he's got to go inside his apartment. And, you know, you got the locals out on the doorstep, and they're just absolutely disgusted. And, you know, they, they can't stand that there's a biker gang here, and they're, like, looking at him like, you know, they're like, when are they going to do something about these disgusting motorcycle gangs? <laughs> and at this point, and they've it, done nothing. <laughs> it, meanwhile, you know, uh, Brand as Jeff walks into this this apartment. Luckily, he's got the right key. So, you know, he opens up the door and here is another girl. He's like, and he doesn't recognize her at first. He's like, oh, oh, oh hi, sweetie. I was I was just visiting with a with a sick friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the ticket. And, yes. But anyway. Yeah, she's like, like, Jeff, you've got to stay away from that Morty. He's poison. And he goes, right. Only I'm too busy to talk now, honey. Got to change my clothes. <laughs> she goes, where? In the kitchen? <laughs> Man, what what I find funny about this is the, the, the dialogue towards women is all sugar and chicks and honey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's all the classic, like, chauvinistic taglines you could possibly throw at them. And, yeah. you know, they're they're going in deep here. I guarantee it. And he finds a gun in the closet, and he's like, this must be the gun that killed me. And he picks it up, and he's like, oh, no, this is a twenty-two caliber. The rifle that killed me was a thirty caliber. Besides, this gun sight is way out of line. It wouldn't be accurate beyond maybe 10 feet, which is going to come important here later on. But yeah. all of a sudden, he's pointing it at the chick. What is, the, what is this? Oh, he gets yeah. startled. He, he's startled. So he's in the closet. He thinks he's, he's by himself. He's checking out this gun. He's got all these things going through his head. Maybe he found the gun to kill them. He didn't, but he's processing that in his head. And all of a sudden, his girlfriend creeps up on him, and he whips <laughs> around with that gun right in her face. She gets spooked and heads for the hills. But, you know, <laughs> and then he feels bad. He feels bad for Jeff. He goes, sorry, Jeff, baby. Looks like I just cooled off your love life. But I've, <laughs> I've got no time to worry about that now. I've got a plan uh, for getting Morty to tell me all about me, Jeff, as the missus slams the door. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hold it, honey. It's all a mistake. Wait. <laughs> I'm like, why are you worried about Jeff's love life? Let her go. <laughs> exactly. Unless he wanted but, some action. That's what I think. <laughs> but he's trying to play the game, too. He's trying to he's trying to be cool and make everybody believe that 100% that he is Jeff. I don't know why anyone would think any differently, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, then he finally calls out uh, Morty here to try to find out what he's, you know, extorting him about. He's like, I'm not giving you any money. And, the, and Morty's like, you tell me, I'm you begging me to call the cops. And he's like, yeah, and tell him what? And then that's what we see. Uh, according to Morty, when they were back in Dayton, uh, there was a hit put out on uh, some guy named Lenny Dean. And in he's claiming, yeah, he's claiming that uh, Jeff here uh, shot him. But, you know, we're going to find out maybe that's not really what happened here. Indeed not. Jeff Jeff actually turns out to be an innocent man, but Morty's got this stuff headed. And you know what? These guys get along quite well. I mean, they threaten each other, they punch each other while they're on bikes, and then they're just hanging out with each other in the, you know, in this apartment, which is which is kind of weird, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This this relationship with the biker gang is quite strange. But, you know, Boston Brand is adamant that he's gonna find out who uh, you know, who's responsible for this. But they get interrupted. The cops are after him, and they're after Morty, and they're after Jeff. So they're coming after him, and the chase is on, and Brand, as Jeff, is getting the high heck out of there. He's running down the halls. Shots are being fired. He's diving over luggage carousels in this hotel. 
this guy is out of here. They're out on the streets, a car chase. He's jumping on cars. He's dodging bullets. My God, this is this is an insane chase. They really want this Jeff character. You know, they've got all the goods on him. And looks mm-hmm. like looks like his good friend Morty has sold him out. Yeah, he almost uh, seems like James Bond here with all these acrobatics and things he's doing. But yeah, he eventually uh, grabs, uh, finds another gun. And he says, my theory is that the broken gun sight would make Jeff Jeff's aim too low and miss. So the bullet might be, and he goes, here, I found it. And ballistics should prove it was fired from Jeff's rifle. Um, he goes, but didn't kill Dean. So basically, like <laughs> earlier, when he said that rifle, <laughs> the, the sights were so bad on it, he couldn't hit anybody. So that's how he sort but, of supposedly pieced it together. So, so it's impossible. So think about this. You're saying that even because a gun sight is broken, that you kill, st- you still can't kill somebody with it. Yeah, that, and it doesn't that, seem like they were too far away either. It wasn't like they were trying to shoot somebody from 500 yards away. It's completely <laughs> impossible because of this sight. You see, officer? <laughs> no, mm. no, it's it's it, it's a ridiculous idea. And anyway, then you get to see it's it's a Scooby Doo moment. So, you know, once he figures out that this site, you know, he basically proves to himself with it, with this new ballistic information that, mm. you know, Jeff could not be the killer. And out comes Morty. And he says, so you figured it out, eh, Jeff? Never guessed you was bright enough. Now you know that you didn't kill Dean. I did after you botched the job. <laughs> That's only one of the two mistakes you made. And he's like, what was the other? This is it. And he clobbers them with a double axe handle. Who (laughs) hits somebody like this? Like, it's the odd, like, you talk about a swing. Like, he gets full swing. He's So picture this. Put both hands in front of you. Cup your fingers together. Lock them together. And now swing for the hills like you're swinging a baseball bat. And he takes Mr. Morty downtown to Chinatown with that swing. A double axe handle to the head. And Morty is out cold. Mm -hmm. And my favorite panel the entire issue we see uh, Jeff slash dead man <laughs> ingesting two pills and he's uh, monologuing to himself. And he says, best way to clear this up is to enter Morty's body and air quotes, help him to confess everything to the cops. But got to make sure that Jeff is a good boy while I'm gone. A couple of sleeping pills should hold him. <laughs> oh, my God. That That is that is crazy, though. So think about it now. He's got a routine down. He's only done this two or three times. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but he, he figured out that once he transformed the body that Jeff is going to come back, you know, going to come back to life or whatever and figure out everything that's going on. But he can't have that. He can't have Jeff interfering in his business. So he has to knock him out, literally knock him out and become Morty and go to the cops to confess all the sins so he can be put in jail. But he's got to keep Jeff out of action. And how does he do it? He dopes himself up, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah, that's that's I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, so. Again, he was going to knock that guy out. Okay, but then he, he had sleeping pills on the ready, like to just <laughs> knock him out. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that, but yeah, that was a little a sketchy. But later, later at police headquarters, and we see a guy, okay, lock him up. He cleared Jeff Carling. Never heard a murderer confess that much in my life. And, <laughs> and he goes, and wait till Morty wakes up in his cell and hears about all the nice things he just said. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, great that stuff. That is hilarious. Oh, you know what? That, that was cool. And what a, what, a conv- what a cool way to actually, you know, to, to do this thing. So they're, they're playing games. He's not just, you know, mm-hmm. taking over bodies. He's coming up with new ways to, you know, to solve crime. So, you know, he gets caught in these tangents. So he found out that, 
you know, he's in search of his own killer. So he's got his own mission, but he finds it necessary to help these other people solve their own problems. Like he could have just ditched Jeff and got him shot and, you know, left and went on to find his killer. But instead he tried to intervene and fix Jeff's situation, which was a curious, curious take. You know, someone who's morally ambiguous, for for example, you know what I mean? He don't care if somebody's stealing. He don't care if somebody else is is on the take. You know, he's just concerned about himself. And it's curious that we're getting to see a little bit of a shift in brand here. And I kind of dig that. That was kind of a cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's it for uh, the second issue. And uh, like I said, I do really enjoy, too, how, you know, it's there's still that running subplot of him you know, trying to piece things together about who yep. killed him. But it's very, very much in the background in this issue. Once he realizes that the gun he found in the closet at that apartment was not the same gun. He just it's like on to, you know, basically, you know, trying to help Lorna out by, you know, getting her brother cleared. So it doesn't, you know, kind of wreck her emotionally. So so when you compare this one, the the second issue to the first one, I think art wise, it's definitely a step up. So Dead Man is looking to, you know, a lot more of the Dead Man that we're going to be seeing very, very soon from Neil Adams. You know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. it's a it's definitely a shift in direction. His his mask doesn't look as zombie like. It looks more human or 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 Dead Man type of th- type of look. Loved it. You know the cover, pretty pretty good. But one thing that I will say about the cover. It's got absolutely nothing to do with this story. Was this cover even intended for this issue? Or was this like, <laughs> seriously, like mm-hmm. where, where, do, where does this cover fit in? Mm-hmm. It's got yeah, two really. guys. It's got two guys looking at a empty grave saying <laughs> that his body is missing from the grave. This doesn't happen. And they're not even bikers. They're like, like we said, like they look like they're, they're thugs. Uh, they're mafia Capone guys, guys or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mafiosos. <laughs> so, I, so I don't, I, I don't know if this cover was just something that they had, to, you know, you know, in a drawer, and they're like, oh, why don't we use this? Mm-hmm. It's really, yeah. Really odd. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Apparently that. Yeah. It wasn't. I don't think Mike Sikowski was on the same page with Arnold Drake of what was going <laughs> no. on here, but it's still a cool cover. I like it. But you know, you were saying about the artwork. I love Neil Adams. And I do, we didn't see dead man without his mask on or with his mask off, uh, in this issue. But when we, I think we might eventually, and I do, I did like how, um, Infantino drew, you know, Boston without the mask on. I I thought I did too. Yeah. I thought he got it pitch perfect. I really, really liked that. It was, it was a, it was a distinct look. And I think somebody like who, I'm trying to ponder somebody who would who would do a great job with this character look. If if you're doing like a really rugged looking uh, Boston brand, I think someone like a John Romita Jr. and I, you know, I don't throw his name around much because you know, I, I'm not a member of his fan club. But I think that that's the type of look of characters that he do that he does because when he draws a character like the Punisher, he doesn't give him these streamlined, beautiful looks like a like a John Romita Senior does. You know what I mean? He breaks his nose up. He's got scars all over himself. He's got a rugged exterior, and I think that's what you know a Boston brand character should look like underneath this, like a weathered looking soul, not like a beautiful, you know, billionaire industrialist like a Bruce Wayne. You know what I mean? I think that's what would be cool. Yeah, you know that first issue with Infantino artwork, uh, uh, pencils. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of. Uh, a few years later, like uh, four or five years later, when Luke Cage starts up and it's George Tuska uh, ah. doing the penciling. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I really liked that. It was like the street tough, you know, these broken yep. nose looking street tough characters. I really like that. And I, that kind of reminded me of that a little bit there. I think Billy Graham did some of the 
the inks on that, but it was uh, George Tuska was a lot of the pencils on those early issues. That's kind of what it reminded me of. And I and I do like that. Sometimes, sometimes listen, I I really like like a John Romita Senior who you know gives a nice polished look, a Neil Adams who gives his characters a beautiful look. But when you're thinking about you know realism and you know what, what you know what the real world would look like, it's just not realistic. Everybody doesn't look like a you know a, a, an Olympic swimmer, for example. You know what I mean? Everybody is not yeah. streamlined. Some people are a little bit bulkier. Some people are a little bit uglier. Every single woman that John Romita ever drew. You know, with the exception of Aunt May, are, are like beautiful, like runway models, Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. My God, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, so it was interesting to see this type of uh, the, especially the the earlier work. Now you get a little bit of a shift here. I still did like it. I think the only thing that I really had trouble with in this one compared to the first issue was probably the story. I, I love the story itself. It was clever. You know, he did some interesting things as Jeff. You get to see some of the difficulties of the character that, you know, he takes over these people's bodies, but he's actually got to live this person's life. So he has to act like somebody maybe he doesn't even know or is not familiar with, you know what I mean? So he's got to try to fit in with the, you know, their, their families or supporting characters and all that stuff that live in their lives and act the part and not seem out of place, which is, which is a cool thing you don't see coming. Also, he planned ahead with these sleeping tablets. You know, I'm going to have to knock Jeff out. So I'm going to (laughs) carry around these sleeping tablets. But the one thing that I will say, and the, is the only real downfall of this one compared to the first one, they spent too much time on that recap at the beginning and I think they really, really rushed this conclusion here. It mm. wrapped up way too quick. And, you know, the, the reveal was just out of nowhere. Okay, I give it up. It was me who shot him the whole time. It was me, Austin. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, like it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, five pages or six pages, whatever it was, a recap. That was way, way too much. No, that that's that's a splash page with Dead Man in the middle and just talking about it with like little visual blurbs all around it you know what i mean that's all was needed yeah. a one pager just to get you off the ground and and get the story but i uh, love both issues i gotta say billy this this i i want more dead man put it that way and that's that's exactly my my hope for this character and series i haven't read much dead man like i said outside of the the you know the scattered issue here and there but uh i think i definitely want more dead man what do you think yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, these uh, strange adventures big time because, again, this is the first time I'm reading these because, honestly, if you don't get them in the trade, they are super expensive. Oh, yeah. Super oh, yeah. expensive. Stupid, stupid. You you literally got to get something that's that's coverless and peed on to, uh, you know, be affordable <laughs> at this particular day. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you figure they're only going to go up in price. I mean, obviously, the first appearance is always going to be a super expensive book, and then the ones afterwards because of Neil Adams' artwork and now that he passed away, it's they're just going to go crazy in value. So, yeah, this, get, this, get, get the this, omnibus. This, <laughs> this thing is destined for for a streaming service character as well. This yeah. this is this is easy money. This is the the mystery of the week. This is the uh, you know you know this is the, the the Incredible Hulk show where you know you can go from town to town. You know, Bill mm-hmm. Bixby solving mysteries while yeah. while keeping in control of his monster. You know what I mean? I can easily see this as an ongoing series, and I think. The, that's the strength of this character and the, and the entire plot. So there's there's a lot to a lot to be dug into here, and a lot more stories that can be unlocked. And I, I really do like it. The only thing that I will say on some of the later issues, and this is like into the 2000s where you get to see Dead Man and all that type of stuff, mm-hmm. they play him out as a little bit of a whiner, like he's always downtrodden. He's not. You know, he's always a little bit too woe was me for a character like in his recent incarnation. So I'm hoping 
that, you know, we're getting to see him have a little bit of fun with, uh, you know, with his interplay with the bodies he takes over. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, me too. Really looking forward to that. So, all right, my friend. Well, thank you for joining me here. Yeah, Absolutely. We're wrap this, up. this was a lot of fun, man. Looking forward to the, uh, you know, next few issues of this uh, Strange Adventures. And like I said, hopefully we'll wrap that up. I think, you know, it's not that many issues. It might only be like 10 more or something like that. It's it's not a ton of issues in Strange Adventures. And then he, uh, you know, bounces around from Adventure Comics. And you were saying I'll have a couple appearances in Brave and the Bold. And Brave and the Bold, yep. That four issue limited series there, that's that looks fantastic. I didn't read it, but I looked at it. It was just absolutely gorgeous. So, yeah, we're going to bounce around and maybe hit that four issue series two down the road. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. So uh, uh, thanks for joining me here, man. But uh, if anybody's looking to find you out there, where can they uh, uh, peek? All right. You can find me over on Twitter and I'm easy to find. Trust me. If you like retro stuff, if you like stuff, if you were born in the eighties and nineties, well, you're going to love my Twitter feed and some 70s stuff as well. It's uh, at Charlton underscore hero. I love retro, uh, retro things. So, you know, I'm into action figures. I'm into comic books, pro wrestling, you name it. You can find me over there. I'm easy to get a hold of. And then you can find me over here hanging out with Billy. We're talking horror. You can find me over on the wizards podcast guide to comics. And you're going to be seeing some new stuff from that. Uh, myself and Adam are hanging out. We've got a Halloween episode coming up as well on there. So yeah, I'm hanging out there and uh, hopefully get to do some wrestling over on the W2M network over with Mr. Mark Radlich as well. So lots on to go. We've got super blog team up. Uh, of course, maybe it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be out by this time, October 26th. Mm-hmm. You're going to get to see that hit up uh, hashtag SBTU hashtag super blog team up. Follow all the great blogs that are in there. It's going to be a laugh. That's where you can find me. Thank you, sir. Billy for having me here this evening. You are welcome, sir. And I'm going to step out here real quick and uh, come back and wrap up the show. Do you like comics? The 1960s? How about middle-aged gay couples gossiping about their neighbors? Then you'll love Checkered Past. A loving examination of DC's GoGo Check branded comic magazines published from February 1966 to August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob. And I'm Dr. Husband. And each week we'll be your hosts on a trippy tour through mid-century four-color madness. Checkered Past. Available wherever fine podcasts are downloaded for free. that's going to wrap up this episode i want to thank chris for being on really love uh, hanging out with chris talking to him he's a really good guy definitely check out you know his blog everything super blog team up and the other things he mentioned on the show uh, definitely uh, check him out and support him you know like i said really good guy so stay tuned uh, gonna be some more episodes coming up you know by the time you're hearing this episode uh, i probably will have announced uh, or at least hopefully that the show is going to be going weekly instead of uh, bi-weekly so uh, every monday you will be hearing something new from me in the horror vein so stay tuned